This is Let's Break Good, the podcast where good is just not good enough. I'm your host, Joe Agoda, and on today's episode, when the workplace inspires. Many of us are searching for that job that will allow us to reach towards our greatest potential, an environment in the workplace that gives us the room to be our best selves. It's not easy to find that place. Even an opportunity that looks good at first may become a nightmare once you're in it. What questions should you be asking before accepting that new job to make sure it will be a right fit? What does it feel like when you are in an organization that can nurture your drive and align with your goals? Today, we're talking about landing into the right workplace. I'll share my story of finding an inspiring work environment in one of the deadliest hot zones in the world and give you some tips improving your chances to get it right. Let's do it. Let's get started. I want to break free. In 2014, I've just left my job at the United Nations after four years. I'm hustling on some small projects where I can, but really I'm seeking a full-time position that would give me the stability I needed while continuing down the career path in purpose. I had held a number of jobs by this point, and a few things were clear to me. A multi-layer bureaucracy just wasn't going to work. Even when I was able to break down a few old systems deliver a lot of value on a project, win over a few allies, I still ended up getting stifled. It was like a -a whack-a-mole game in the large organization. Whenever I was able to get through one challenge, a few more just popped up to block me. I attribute that to something called the corporate immune system, which once a changemaker is identified, those that want to protect the status quo eventually will seek out that person and smother their efforts, one way or another. Without being in a company that had undergone some large-scale culture change from the very top, and without access to the C-suite, I felt like going into a large organization would put me again in a bad situation. So that was the type of role I was not going to accept. Being an entrepreneur didn't fit for me either. I had attempted a startup earlier in my career, and it had given me some awesome skills. I got to meet some awesome people, but it didn't work out. Back in 2014, when I was looking for this next job, I was self-aware that I didn't yet have the operational and management skills necessary to run my own organization. There were a few things that I did know. My passion. I wanted to harness the power of technology for social good. My past jobs, I had done some really incredible things with technology. I had the ability to fundraise, learn how to do the human-centered design process in the community so that whatever was created could be taken up and made sustainable, and I could manage and oversee the overall implementation and deliver results. I also had some particular experience growing in the world of public health. I had already worked on the front lines in Africa and Brazil on some really cool health-related projects. I felt confident that I had some knowledge there and that this was probably the subject matter area where I could bring the most. That all came together to interest me in a nonprofit organization I had met through my days working at the United Nations. They provided open source technology and were called Innovative Support 
to emergencies, diseases, and disasters, or INSTEAD. Even though they were a nonprofit, the organization actually acted a little bit more like a business. It didn't run campaigns asking for $5 a day for donations, but it had actual customers it served and got compensated by implementers on the front line for the value it delivered. They were innovative by nature because it was in their name. They had technology, but in the projects I saw that they had worked on, they were also willing to adapt and try something totally new. They embraced the participatory human-centered design process that I had seen in action in MIT. My feeling was that new ideas wouldn't get blocked at every turn in this organization. They were small, but that was not a weakness for me. It was actually something I was hoping for because there was probably a chance for limited bureaucracy. They didn't have a role open, but if you listen to all the past episodes this season, you'll know that doesn't stop me, and it doesn't need to stop you either. When you find an organization that looks like it might be the right fit, go out and start networking in. Talk to people. Get to know what it's like working in that organization and what their hiring process is like. Even if there isn't a job open, you'll put yourself in position for either of them to create a role for you or for someone to let you know when a role does open. I convinced the instead leadership to bring me aboard in a small consulting role and that I could prove my value by raising money and increasing the profile of the organization. My role in instead started slow, but that was okay. It gave me a chance to learn more about the organization. The more I learned, the more I started to see why it might be a match. Instead, it was founded by a man named Dr. Larry Brilliant. Of course, his name preceded him. He had this really incredible backstory. He had led a team in the World Health Organization that had eradicated smallpox, and they did it through some really unorthodox methods. Dr. Brilliant went being from someone who's questioned for what they were doing, if he had the ability to lead a team to achieve that large of a goal, but when he finally got it done, he turned into a maverick and warrior for the public health world to be inspired by. Later, he became the CEO of Google.org, and in a TED Talk, he envisioned an organization that could help with the early detection and early response of outbreaks. He believed that while outbreaks were inevitable, pandemics could be optional and prevented. Instead was the organization that he envisioned that could take on that mission. Dr. Brilliant's origin story and his background really resonated with me deeply and who I am. Origin stories are really important. So before, you know, looking at an organization and jumping into it, get some idea of their history, their founder, and inspiration behind it. That may give you a sense if it's the right place for you. Instead, also, was based in Silicon Valley, but it wasn't obsessed with shiny new technologies. It believed in the power of tech, but also seemed to be rooted in the local context. That those shiny objects were not always what they were after because that's not what the community needed. A lot of their tools were what they called quiet builders, things that worked in the background and were focused more on meeting needs than getting the spotlight. When you really look beneath the surface of an organization, you can see its depth and what its personality is. You should ask yourself if that matches with yours. Lastly, Instead's mission was to work in emergencies, diseases, and disasters. 
This would mean every day I could wake up with purpose to help those that were trying to save lives and create a healthier world. For a while, I helped instead in some small ways, rebooted their social media, helped them update their website, and contributed to a few small projects and grant proposals. Then in 2015, there was a major breakthrough. A grant I helped to write got funded in a major way. It was to further develop a project that was showing success to stop outbreaks in Cambodia, the heart of the Mekong Basin disease hot zone. They were ready to try and scale up this promising project. If you are in the right workplace, there should be some cause and effect, and any good results that you help deliver should also reward you. When that grant got funded, I was given a role to support the project. The motto of Instead was, if you don't go, you won't know. So soon, I was on my way to Cambodia to meet and work with a team there called the iLab Southeast Asia. I had been on some long flights before to Africa, but this was another story. Getting to Cambodia was the longest flight of my life. Uh, we went through Cambodia and finally ended up tired in Phnom Penh. I was met in Cambodia by the hustle and bustle of that capital city. When I got to meet the team that I would work with, something really surprised and delighted me. The team that was running the project on the ground were made up of all local citizens. There were no expats or foreigners on or helping to run the team. That challenged a conception I had heard a lot in the nonprofit and development world, that we needed to fly in people from other countries to get the job done, especially when it came to technology. But this team proved that is an ignorant way to think. There were coders, project managers, administrators, all Cambodian, and that had a huge benefit when it came to working efficiently and sustainably with the partners. If the project had an issue, they wouldn't have to call halfway around the world for help and try to align time zones. They could just show up and help them in person. The iLab was also one of the coolest, inspiring workplaces I've ever stepped foot in. They started every Monday with something called a stand-up meeting, where they would gather in a circle and share about their work and goals for the week ahead. It was a chance to understand what each other were doing and any help that they might need. Every Thursday, the team had something called Open Thursday, where anyone from the community could come in and talk about a problem they were facing where they thought technology might help or talk about a technology product they were trying to develop and get some advice and feedback on it. The camaraderie in the iLab was really inspiring, and that's something you really want to see in the workplace. Do colleagues support each other toward their goals, or are there lots of turf wars going on in a, in a zero-sum game mentality? There should be kinship in the workplace, but as well, there should be a line where it stays professional and does not come too personal. It can be incredibly hard to keep that balance. I've seen workplaces that were a lot of fun, but it got friendly and people stopped being able to be honest with each other. The hard decisions needed for the best of a project sometimes didn't get made. At the iLab, they seemed to be able to strike that balance. Even though the iLab was working in a totally different culture, right away, the team embraced me and I got to utilize my talents in a project called 115, which was a national disease outbreak reporting hotline. It allowed anyone in the country to call in and report a disease outbreak via a mobile phone. 
I got to help strengthen the understanding and awareness of this project by helping the Ministry of Health to tell their story of the why behind the work. We filmed interviews with MOH leadership to get that first town account out to the public. We created promotional posters so that people knew about the hotline. And one of the posters we made actually ended up going in every single clinic across the country. This work helped raise awareness and built momentum for the initiative that led to uptake and future fundraising. The Ministry of Health also needed help in understanding the data that was coming in from all the calls to the hotline. When data comes in fast and furious, it can be paralyzing if you're not ready to synthesize it. So we helped oversee a project that would deliver a two-way real-time dashboard that would be in an actionable format so that those that needed to respond to the outbreak call could get the information in an actionable format and get a response going as quickly as possible. There's no better feeling in the workplace when you're not only able to contribute to a project, but get to see firsthand the impact that it's making. In the workplace that has you thriving, you should not only be able to contribute, but get to learn things too. And the 115 project gave me a lot of new insights. I saw the importance of using data to iterate on your project based on what that information is telling you. When we were able to finally look at all the data that was coming in, we realized that the majority of calls to the 115 hotline were coming from health professionals working in hospitals and clinics and other healthcare centers across the country. What we ended up doing was adding a feature to the hotline so that it could recognize numbers coming in from the health professionals. They would be split off from those calling just from the general public so that they could have a special reporting branch of the hotline that allowed for them to enter their disease reports and that could go directly into the national database. Another thing I learned from working on the project was don't assume what impact is most important to those who you work for. In my mind, the biggest thing for the Ministry of Health had to be that they were responding to outbreaks faster. When I got to go in and talk to them about the progress on the project, they said, absolutely, it's great that we can get this information and are responding faster. But the number one thing that we are loving is that it's boosting the morale of our whole Ministry of Health team because of the reduction in paperwork. They were spending a lot less hours each week having to fill out paper forms, reading those paper forms, and entering them into a computer. That time saved allowed them to work on other projects that they were important, and that boosted morale across their organization. One last thing I learned was the importance of trust and relationship in any technology project. Sometimes it's easier for us to get really enamored with how cool the technology is and what it can do, but trust was the bedrock of the success of that project. And I've carried that forward to all my future work. When I arrived back to the USA from the Southeast Asia experience, I was so inspired by what their team was doing and the kind of workplace that they had created. I made it my goal to try and create a team like that, a team that was creating so much impact in Cambodia. But instead, as I mentioned, was a small organization and there was not enough capital or scale of project that would warrant building such a team. When you're in a workplace that does want to nurture you, they'll give you room to experiment. For me, and that desire to understand what it's like to manage a team, I get to build out something that we ended up calling the Global Ambassador Program. Basically, for a very limited budget, 
I would go out and find professionals who were looking for a part-time role with purpose that would be about five to 10 hours a week and could be done virtually. It would be a three-month tour of duty, and we would work on something that had a very attainable goal. That ended up being like something, having someone from Hewlett Packard join me to help do a major overhaul of the website. Someone in Singapore who was a social media expert for corporate to come in and help us create a new process for more engaging social media outputs. Then when we also had initiatives in countries and projects, but we had no one on the ground to support it, the Global Ambassador Program also became a way to bring on professionals uh, who were able to be there and were local, like those from the iLab. We ended up having people from Vietnam and Uganda make significant contributions to getting big projects off the ground. Overall, this Global Ambassador Program gave me a skill I wanted, managing and creating a team, while giving experience to those who took part of it and also bringing a benefit to my organization. While my workplace couldn't give me everything I wanted, they allowed me to have a creative small way to create that skill that I was looking for. A few years after working at Instead, I started to bring more and more value to the organization. I was rewarded with a staff director position and did get to grow a small team of my own. I gained budgeting and operational skills and learned what it takes to be a CEO because I reported directly to the CEO. If you are in the right organization, these advancements will happen when you advocate for the value you're bringing. Now I get to look back on the many places I've been and people I've helped through instead. I think it's also an important time to talk about no workplace will ever be perfect, but you can't let perfect be the enemy of great. If you are in a workplace that supports you and you choose to break good, you'll always be wanting and desiring to improve on things. Sometimes your initiatives will get done, other times they'll fail, but you'll learn from both cases. And because you wake up every morning with purpose, you'll find ways to continue to stay motivated and look at what opportunities are ahead. Now, what can you learn from my story of working with Instead and collaborating with iLab Southeast Asia in Cambodia? Number one, before seeking out or accepting a job, ask yourself a few critical questions. Number one, are you willing to work within the confines of an existing organization and deal with their rules and bureaucracy? Or do you really want to try your hand at building your own as an entrepreneur? The first case will give you a lot more stability and a constant paycheck, while being an entrepreneur is a lot more risky but gives you total freedom to create an organization and culture that you want. Next, ask yourself, what size organization do I want to work in? A larger organization will offer you a lot of resources and diverse opportunities. However, you'll be dealing with a multi-layer bureaucracy and a lot more rules, policy, and legacy. A small organization will give you more influence and knowledge of how the entire operation works, but you'll probably have less resources at your fingertips and you'll have to learn to do more with less. Also ask, can I start this engagement in a small way before committing to something larger. By being a part-time consultant at Instead, I was able to learn a lot more about the culture, the organization, and its backstory, and that helped me to understand that it could be a good fit. Next, I want to say that at an organization, ask yourself, are they going to give me a chance to go out and understand and meet with the people that we're serving? 
At instead, the motto was, if you don't go, you won't know. If they had kept me in the U.S. working on just my normal projects, I would have never been able to get out into the field and work with the iLab Southeast Asia. If your organization can encourage you to have the opportunity to work directly with your customers and those that you serve, that's going to be an amazing opportunity to grow as a professional and learn new things and make sure that you can have contributions to projects. I really believe that getting out into the field is something that not only is important professionally, but allows you to stay motivated. It gives you that fuel and energy to know what you're working towards, what your purpose is, and keep going day in, day out when things get hard. Lastly, I would have you think about the fact that a title that you're accepting means nothing. Instead of a job and title, look for an organization that inspires you. Network in and see if they might create a role just for you. When you do want that new promotion or title within your workplace culture, do it based on the value you have brought to the organization. Do not argue that you've been here this long or that someone else has recently got that promotion. You have to talk about the value that you're bringing. Last, keep in mind that no matter how high you climb within an organization, it will never be perfect. And that the more you grow, the harder the challenge will get and the bigger the responsibility. But if you're in the right workplace for you, you'll be able to work, wake up every day ready to take on the new challenge. So that's it. What are you waiting for? Go find the workplace that will unlock your full potential to break good. But life still goes on. I can't get used to living without, living without, living without you by my I want to start by thanking the Instead team and leadership that gave me the opportunity to join the organization and try out a lot of different things along the way. My gratitude goes out to all the team members, especially those that were able to join the communications function there and do some really, really awesome work. To those global ambassadors who stuck with me and helped me to understand what it takes to be a great manager. Thank you. My gratitude also goes out to the organization that is now called Ending Pandemics, formerly the Skull Global Threats Fund. They really believed in the work that we were doing at Instead and gave us a lot of financial backing that made that 115 project that I shared possible. A huge thanks goes out to the iLab Southeast Asia in Cambodia, the team that welcomed me and showed me what a strong, well-functioning workplace looked like. Last year, they celebrated their 10-year anniversary and have started up an incredible new project that is helping train a new generation of technology leaders in Cambodia. Congrats, iLab, on your growth and keep going. Finally, thanks to you, the listener. And if you want to show me thanks, please show your gratitude by rating, liking, and subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're joining us from. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.